on today's episode of Ready to Lead. Don't be seduced by someone who's agreeable, who's saying, oh, thank you, that's good to know, and they're writing it down, to think that the job is done. It's not. That, that's, it's helpful, but if it ends there, then we're in trouble. And so here's the pattern I kept seeing. One, oh, they're so coachable, or so it's so great to give them feedback, helps me feel like I'm a better leader, it's awesome. Yet we continue to have repeat conversations about similar behaviors that the person who quote unquote received feedback well was not implementing. Welcome to Ready to Lead, a show that gives you, the leader, tools, tips, and insights you need to grow your team, your company, and yourself. Welcome back to another episode of Ready to Lead. I'm your host, Richard Lindner, and joining me, as always, is the lovely, the talented, the beautiful, the ever-smiling, the always positive, uh, your favorite coach. You know him, you love him, the one and only Mr. Jeff Mask. Jeff, welcome. <laughs> I keep thinking it might not get awkward in the future, but nah, it just gonna. continues to be. <laughs> I can't not do it now. It, there's a rhythm to it. it you just, can't help yourself. It and you're getting better and better. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, I just feel it. I got to be careful when we are together in real life <laughs> and I'm introducing you to people not to go. Like, it is muscle memory now. This yeah, is I'll how punch you. <laughs> I introduce you. Yeah, it would be, I mean, and, and you know what? In that case, I would have earned it. But not only do I believe I haven't earned it in this case, if you wanted to punch me, you couldn't because we're right. not. Right. Uh, physically in the same space. So I guess what I'm saying is nana, nana, boo, boo. Uh, yeah. Again, oh, welcome wow. to the show. Yeah, exactly. Welcome to the show. We're getting a little juvenile and petty and that's okay um, because we're all just broken humans. Uh, but speaking of broken humans, how do you like that segue? Oh, I like um, that. This episode is is going to be fun. I mean, they're, I think they're all fun, but I, I really like diving into to this topic and it's something that I know as, as a young leader early in my you know, leadership career, um, when I was charged with leading people and, and, and kind of was learning through trial and error, a lot of error, I know that I would make a, just this big deal in my head about these, these big conversations and make them bigger than they needed to be, even if they were somewhat awkward or if they were corrective conversations or even if, and this was the, the most difficult for me, if they were conversations that weren't necessarily um, I don't want to say like, meant to discipline. They weren't, they were truly just corrective. They were almost growth conversations and no one, it, for me, it was easier if someone did something wrong. If it was like, that was wrong. Here's why that was wrong. Here's how you should do it in, in the future. But when they didn't do anything wrong, I just had feedback that would make them more successful, whether that was in interpersonal relationships or organizationally or with their own skill set or at their job, but they hadn't done anything wrong. Right. Those always were so awkward and weird for me. Um, but either way, the relief I would get after having a corrective conversation or a growth conversation or any type of conversation was massive. I would feel like the giant weight lifted off my shoulder. Oh, thank you. All that's holy, that is over. <laughs> and then I'd have to have them again and again. And a lot of the times I was having the same conversations with the same people and then resentment built up. Resentment built up on both sides. Me mm -hmm. for how dare they make me continue to have these conversations. And I'm sure them for why does he keep telling me this? Right. Um, and and I think the, the 
kind of the root cause or the moral of that is the the job of leadership doesn't stop after one of those conversations. It's about the follow through. It's about what happens after feedback has been given. Um, and that in a lot of cases is harder, especially if you feel like it was awkward to have that initial conversation because then it feels like you're rehaving the same conversation or it can feel like that. Right. But follow up after, after giving feedback is, is, is crucial. If you truly are giving feedback, in an attempt to partner on change, to partner on growth. And this, guys, can be very, very difficult, but it can be dangerous if you don't. So this episode, we're going to dive deep. Jeff's going to break down uh, the different categories that that people's responses fall into after they've received feedback. Two that are less desirable, and then the one desired uh, state of of reaction to feedback, and then we're going to talk about how do we get people that maybe fall into the one one of the two less desirable states. How do we encourage that particular person with that particular response into the right category? So, uh, Jeff, I'm excited to dive into this today because I think it's it's rarely talked about and critical in in leadership. So let's talk about it. We it's almost like you've given feedback. Now what? Yeah, yeah, definitely. That's a great, great tee up because we've had multiple podcast episodes about giving feedback, about mm-hmm. corrective conversations, about awkward conversations. It's the now what, then what, what, what do we do with that? And, and here's here a little backstory of why we're talking about this today. We've had multiple, multiple episodes like that because of the need out there of how to construct a really helpful conversation when you're giving feedback and having to go into that awkward zone for a moment. But since there's been a lot of feedback around people receiving feedback, so kind of a meta, mm. I get, but, but a lot of the people that I've been working with around the world, I keep hearing this, man, she receives feedback so well, or man, he, he receives feedback so well. Great. But then in our coaching sessions, I hear repetition that we're talking about the same person in a similar behavior. And so I've had to time out. And literally in the last three weeks, I've had no, no less than six conversations with other people, different businesses, different, different industries, different size of business. But the same thing, thing has come up. They receive feedback well, yet the behavior is still the same. So I realized, time out. We, we've got to back up a little bit and define what does receiving feedback well really mean? And to simplify, mm. because me and my simpleton mindset I like to just create simple ways to remember them. And so there are three categories that I created that, that'll be helpful for each of us. Before I jump into those, I just shared a lot, Richard, anything you want to unpack or make sure that we're clear on because I just rambled a lot. <laughs> no, I think that's great. And I think the kicking off point is like, how many times have you said they receive feedback so well? This person receives feedback so well. And, and what did that really mean? So I think everything you said is perfect. Step one, let's, let's define what does it mean to receive feedback? Well, like, because we all say it and that can be as dangerous as saying like, they're not a culture fit. Right. Have you clearly defined culture at your company? Like what is critical culture? I think there's a lot of these sayings that, that almost have become buzzwords that Mm -hmm. can mean anything we want. And what they receive feedback so well can mean as I just as a leader is I just had a difficult conversation with this person. It can almost and be they, like a, they, I did totally, my job. Now it's totally. time for them to do theirs. Um, so let's talk about 
what receiving feedback well really means, what it looks like. So maybe we start yeah. there and then let's let's Great. almost start with the ideal and then move to the actual of the, the different categories that typical responses fall into. Actually, I, w- I want to twist it a little bit. I want people hanging on what is the ideal. So hang tight on oh, the ideal. My, fine. Yeah, I know. I just... I just you heard it here, on, folks. You know. Jeff said, um, "I hear what you're saying, and you're not wrong. I'm just not going to do it." <laughs> I just I like the intrigue yeah. of what is ideal. So let's start with fine. It's, we'll it, it's category one is easy to to determine that it's not well. Okay, so make this, sure make sure we're tracking. We're talking about yeah. the th- kind of the three categories that correct response someone's response to feedback yes. falls into. So the I think first category. Yep. Okay. I think that'll be easy for uh, people to follow and, and to, they'll, they'll hear it and go, oh, yep, totally. I'm with you. So this is what I call defensive David. Remember how I say mm-hmm. I, I use really big mm-hmm. words? Well, so here, here, here's what happens. We know when someone doesn't receive feedback well, when we give the feedback and almost before we're done communicating, they're defensive, they're defiant, they are in denial, all three of those D words. That, those are great indicators that, and it doesn't take a rocket scientist to know, they're not receiving feedback well, and they just won't own it. In fact, I have been defensive, David. I think many of us listening have been. In early, my first real job, I like to say, when I was at a web services company in the dot-com era, and I would, had a tendency when anyone would give me feedback to listen and think I was listening well, and then I would give a justification without even realizing mm. I was giving a justification. And finally, my leader, who at the time was my brother, funny enough, said, dude, anytime someone gives you feedback, you have a reason why you've done a certain thing. Just listen. Just listen. And I was like, oh, it was a really, that, you know, secondary piece of feedback was really valuable for me because I was in the defensive David category. Now, I wasn't defensive and defiant, but I justified. And so that first category is when you just don't open up and receive the feedback and it's very apparent to the to the to the giver the receiver is just putting up walls all the excuses all the finger pointing why it's not applicable to me because of whatever justifiable reason in their mind and that, that's easy to detect so that's category number one okay hold on category real quick real quick yeah yeah real quick i'm going to ask you a clarifying question because i i resonate with that one and i know that i've done it before and something you said when you said, I felt like I was receiving it and I was listening, <laughs> were you listening with the intent to formulate a defense or a response or <laughs> to, pr- or were you actually listening to evaluate whether or not what they were saying was, was true? Yeah, both. I did both. Okay. And, and my evolution and progress in my mind was that at first I was listening to defend and okay. then I listened to really process, but then I, my response was more out of clarification, but it was really received as justification because I was like, oh, this is why I'm doing that. It didn't matter why I was doing it. I was doing it. So gotcha. just listen. Okay. And, and, when I, and when I give any reason of justification, it, it sends the message to the giver. I hear you, but I don't really hear you. And well, here's why I did it. And so therefore it's, it's justifiable of why I'm, I'm behaving that way. Just shut up and listen. That's all I needed to mm. do. Listen, take notes, and then get to the better category we'll get to last. But that's what I was doing. So I, I was doing both to answer your question okay. succinctly. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Good Makes question. Makes sense. Yeah. So now category two. This is the most, in my opinion, most dangerous. It's more dangerous than category one. Category one, you know what you're getting. 
Category two, mm -hmm. it's the false positive. It's the agreeable alley. It's the person who, man, she receives feedback so well. It's so great. This is the person I have been hearing about a lot in my coaching conversations. They receive feedback so well. It's such a breath of fresh air. Why? Because they didn't get defensive. They didn't get defiant. They didn't justify. They listened. They even took copious notes about the feedback. It was just, oh, it felt so good. And it gives the leader a, sense, a false sense of security because, man, they receive feedback so well. My friends, receiving feedback well has nothing to do with, well, it has less to do with how you respond in the moment and more to do with category three, and we'll get to that. But don't be seduced by someone who's agreeable, who's saying, oh, thank you, that's good to know, and they're writing it down, to think that the job is done. It's not. That, it's, it's helpful, but if it ends there, then we're in trouble. And so here's the pattern I kept seeing. One, oh, they're so coachable, or so it's so great to give them feedback, helps me feel like I'm a better leader, it's awesome. Yet we continue to have repeat conversations about similar behaviors that the person who quote unquote received feedback well was not implementing. And the Groundhog Day episode kept going back and over and over and over, and they were repeating the same pattern. Then they give the feedback, they'd receive it well, and job well done, moving on, done. No, that, that creates a really, really difficult uh, cycle to break. Okay, category number three, action taker Adam. The person who receives the feedback and takes action, actually implements. In fact, they may even receive feedback sometimes a little bit with a little bit of defensiveness. Not necessarily, but I would much rather have someone in category three be a little defensive, but then actually implement than someone in category two who is agreeable but does nothing with it. Now, the ideal ideal is they receive it well and they implement it well. That is, that's like the best of the best. But when we give feedback, be mindful of how they take action. That's okay, the follow-through. Okay, so, so here's, here's the deal. What, what I'm hearing you say, and, and if, if I'm hearing, if I'm not hearing what you're saying, please correct me. But what I'm hearing is when we as leaders say they receive feedback well, it means that they clearly understand the not only what, but the why. And then after that, they take action to improve or to change. Bingo. Ideally, that's what we mean when we see someone receive feedback well, but more often than so not. So it's not just that they don't make it weird for you or they correct. don't argue with you because in correct. certain cases that could be the agreeable response. Right. Exactly. Someone could be agreeing with you, but they could also be the same person that you're, you're talking about uh, as being a pot stirrer or a yes. politician yeah. right. who right. is saying yes to your face and then talking, can yes. you believe that this person just said this, this, or this about me? I don't do that. 100%. Um, so you can't take action. So you can take action without agreeing. Yeah. That's one thing I'll say. Like, and, and I, I, I now, after I hear your definition, clearly understand what you were saying is the action taker can somehow start defensive Yes, because you can be defensive. Mm -hmm. You can defend your actions. You can even still believe that you were justified in your right. actions, right? You can be justified in an action that still needs to change. Yep. Totally. Totally. You can, right? You can right. be right, but wrong. Right. You can be right. You can, and, and that's it. Like at, at our company, we have um, a, a mantra, right? Agree or disagree and commit. Yeah. When you, you, when, when we have 
identified something that we're doing or something that needs to change or a habit that needs to change, we're going to clearly articulate what happened, why something else needs to happen. And then someone has a couple of options. Option number one is to seek to understand the why. Mm -hmm. If we haven't done a, a, a good job, know the why is one of our core values. That ownership lays on both parties. It is the job of everyone at this company to do their absolute best to communicate the why. It's the job of everyone at this company to seek the why. It is You may not sit back and defend your position with a core value saying, well, no one told me the why. Right. That's your job to go find it. But right. so if, if you disagree with something, conflict at our company looks like seek to understand the why. Hmm. Once you've understood the why, make your point known. Like here's maybe I have some additional data points. I have a, I, I have a different option. I have a different thought. Here you go. Then when a final decision is made, you can either disagree and commit. So as well, I'll take that back. The first option is you become a true believer. After hearing the why, after hearing the justification, you're like, oh, wow. Yeah, man, I totally understand. Mm -hmm. Option number two is you disagree and commit. So, and here's the, the caveat we put on that. As far as anyone else in this company knows, you chose option number one right. because forward-facing, you're a cheerleader for right. this initiative. Totally, totally. Option yeah. number three: recuse yourself. Hmm. You disagree at such a fundamental level that you can no longer occupy your role in this company. Hmm. I think feedback falls under the same the same categories for me. Yeah. If I'm yeah. giving feedback, I need to clearly explain what needs what what needs to change and mm -hmm. why. Mm -hmm. I need to, and once I've done that, I mean, the person receiving that feedback has those same options, right? right. Disagree yeah. and commit. And that could look a whole lot like I'm defensive in the beginning. Right. I can still believe that I'm right, but understand the need to do it differently. Yep. Definitely. That's really Fair. good. That's yeah. and, and I could see how defensive you could, you could be defensive of what you had done. Mm-hmm but disagree and commit. Right. For sure. If you to, are agreeable by definition, there is no disagree and commit because you're not giving the opportunity to have that conversation because you're a yes person, a yes man, a yes woman, whatever you want to, you're just being passive aggressive. For sure. And, and to be clear, when we're in category three of the action taken at action, taking atoms, I know it's kind of cheesy, but just it sticks. They, they don't necessarily have to be defensive at first. The point of that category more, more than anything is they take action. So sure. they, can, they, can, they can listen and receive it well. Like I said, ideally, they receive it well in the moment and they receive it well in their actions by actually implementing. But I'd rather you know, have someone who's going to be a little bit defensive, like in category one, but then mm -hmm. stop and go, you know what? I'm going to take action and I'm going to change that. That's what we're looking for. Why? The root of all of this is humility. It's having the ability to be coachable and to have the courage to be humble to then change. Change does not come when we're prideful and when we think we've got it all figured out. Change comes when we're humble, when we look in the mirror, when we're self-aware and we take action. Those are ingredients for the best leaders, in my opinion. And, mm. and watch as you're coaching people, those that are really great at taking action and that are humble, they have the makings of greatness of leading people. But the people oh, that won't like don't that. receive that, yeah, people that don't receive the feedback, people that 
that say they've got it all figured out that 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 missing element of humility will bite them in the butt as a leader and so it's it, and then it begs the question who are we as you're listening if you are leading people how do you show up when you receive feedback from someone who's leading you or maybe from a family member or maybe from your spouse or your partner how do you receive feedback because it's applicable universally and again the root of of receiving feedback well is humility therefore how humble are you in the moment when somebody's calling you out on your crap that is not easy it's tough. not easy but but we need it and we need well, great wonderful people around us to call us out and give us that feedback we do we absolutely do and 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 we've said it on this this show so many times before um, if you want to know what the future leaders of your organization look like look in the mirror hmm. the best way to create future leaders that are strong and will drive your organization from a place of, of humility and, and, you know, from a place of like heart, but still drive those results, grow people, grow the results of the organization is to model that. Definitely. So look at yourself in the mirror, like it or love it. That's what the next generation of leaders are going to look like. They're going to look like a little less at everything you're good at. There'll be a little they'll be a little less good at that and they'll be a little worse at everything that you're bad at. Hmm. That's the way yeah. I like to look at it. So <laughs> let's talk about this for a second. So we've got, you know, the three, the, the three responses to feedback, right? They're either defensive, they're agreeable, or they take action. Yes. Um, I can see how instantly someone's defensive. It's tough to know. Uh, well, uh, even agreeable isn't bad, right? So they either, you give feedback, someone either agrees with that feedback. Now, whether they're being agreeable because they actually agree or whether they're being agreeable because they're saying yes and they just want to get out of there. They, they disagree, but they're like, I, th right. I'm not, I'm not taking this or whatever mm -hmm. their, their stance is. Right. They're being, they're, they're being dishonest right. in their agreement with you. Totally out of integrity. Right. So how do we as leaders steer the post feedback conversation? to determine action so that we'll know, cause you're almost not going to, you'll know if someone's defensive in the moment, but you don't right. know if that defensiveness is going to turn into action taking right. in the same way that you'll know if someone's agreeable in the moment, but you don't know if their agreement is going to turn into follow-up action taking. Totally. So what can we do as leaders post feedback to ensure that we identify the action that needs to happen. And then like, what is our role versus their role? That's the question. So what mm. do we do? It, it, it starts in the specificity of the feedback that we give. Here's what I mean by that. When we give specific feedback, the, I, ideally we're, we're being as specific as we can be. And we are bringing up an ex example of when they behaved a certain way at a certain time, ideally very recently. Feedback is best given as we've talked about in, in recent moments, not in the last quarter and they won't remember, right? So give the specificity of the behavior, give the specificity of the scenario. Then here's the key. Then go through it and then say, so I want to help you change that and adapt that a little bit and, and model, you know, the desired behavior. And so do I have your permission that if that happens and you, and you aren't showing up that way, that I can remind you and call you out on that. And they're going to say, yes, they need to say yes. Right. That's just, it's important that they way need to say you've yes. already, you've already set yourself up for what's the follow through. And, and ideally 
you you also say and when you do that behavior really well do i have your permission to to totally like give you a high five like i i don't i won't do it publicly if if that's embarrassing but if it's relevant i will but if you like private praise i'm going to tell you and i'm going to pull you aside and say dude you did it that's 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 what i'm talking about mm -hmm. you ask permission to praise them and to correct them and when you do that then you're mindful and you're watching the behavior and you're ideally you're looking for the good and when that happens, you pull them aside and say, you did it. I love it. It's great. And if not, then say, oh, you just had that moment. Did you see that? And they'll go, oh, shoot. So that's the follow through. And, and their energy around that is everything. If they're annoyed by it, if they're bugged, if they're defensive, then they're in category potentially one or two, right? Because they haven't taken the action. But we're trying to really chip away to help them live in humility to be excited about growth and change versus bugged and frustrated. So mm. that's, that's how so get good. specific in the feedback and ask permission to follow up and, and praise them if, if, when they do it and, or to remind them if they don't so that you're aware and they're aware. And it's not just one of these one and done because again, so many leaders I've been working with lately keep saying they receive it so well, yet they don't implement. It's just a very dangerous place. I'd rather have someone in category one than in category two all day, every day. Cause I know what I'm dealing with. But in category two, I'm not sure. And then it gets kicked down the road and the behavior's still there and we tolerate that and it's just not healthy. So, so let me ask you a question um, that the, it just popped in my, my mind as you said that. Um, as, you, as you start to lead people with consistency, do you see people as you're giving consistent feedback go from a default reaction of category one defensive to a default reaction of category two agreeable. Totally. Especially when you're encouraging them and you're inspiring them and you're celebrating when they are taking action, it becomes a game it, that this is self-development, self-improvement and great coach leaders are great coaches and they're coaching right. and they're pulling the best out of their people versus oh, I'm watching you when you screw up. That's the energy that doesn't, people mm. don't do well in that. But when we're watching, catching them doing great things and get, can't wait to celebrate when they do it, then feedback becomes much more of a game, an enjoyable game. Gotcha. I like that. Yeah, because what, what are we doing there? We're building trust. Yeah. When, when you are consistent in, in not only the giving of feedback, but the way that you give it in partnering on, on growth, and then you're consistent with your accountability for um, correction and celebration. As you give additional feedback, the person understands the intent of that and they know what's going to happen next. Right. I always think, I always think of, 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 um, a story that I, I, I heard on a recent trip, actually, Jeff, you were there, our friend Forrest, we were on a hike and he told a story of how, um, his daughter who was in college, called him up and said, dad, I think I'm becoming you. My roommate had talked about how, um, she hasn't been able to consistently make herself get up and go to the gym. And she's been hitting snooze. And she said, make the decision the night before. And then you're just following through on a decision you've already made. So what needs to happen for you to make that decision, you know, lay yeah. your clothes out, decide what you're going to do, et cetera, et cetera. This is the same way. Totally. Like there are their optionality exists to either do or not do when we, when we make the decision in real time, mm -hmm. we can always mm -hmm. justify why we shouldn't give feedback. 
the person who's received feedback can always justify why now there were external, the, the situation more allowed for them to justify their response, even though they know they've received feedback to go the other way. There's something in, going on in their lives that keeps you from either celebrating them or correcting them when they've done something again. So how do we make the decision and, and get agreement of what's going to happen ahead of time? Jeff just told you. So we go through and say, this is what's happening. This is what needs to happen when I see you doing this. Um, what's a way that I could remind you that would snap you into a good place. And then when I see you responding in the way that we've both agreed that you would like to respond, how do I celebrate you that that also does the same thing? When totally. we have agreed to those things now, in the moment, you don't have to make a decision on, is now a good time to do it? If I do it this way, is that going to be right. embarrassing or is it going to be status elevating? Is it going to be demotivating? All of those decisions have already been made. You just follow through. Yep. I've had success in the past by walking people through the four stages of competence. And, and really those stages are uh, pretty simple to, to understand how we can go from not even realizing that we're doing something that is either undesirable for ourselves or undesirable for the company or, or, or my leader to mastering a new way of doing that. So it kind of walks you through the different stages. So the stages break down. The first stage is unconsciously incompetent. You're completely unaware that you're doing something that is detrimental or unhelpful. Right. The next stage is you are consciously incompetent. So this is where leadership steps in. Mm -hmm. Your manager, your uh, good leader, you, the listener, has said, hello, person that I am charged with leading. This thing that you're doing is, is not conducive to your growth as an individual here, your professional growth here, or the company as a whole, it needs to change. Once that has happened, the person doing it moves from unconsciously incompetent to consciously incompetent, but it's still a habit to do it the old way. So how do we go from consciously incompetent to consciously competent? What does consciously competent mean? It's still not habit. It's still not second nature, but I'm aware and I'm now able to catch myself either right before or right mm. after I've started to do the thing that I've gotten feedback that I need to not do. Yeah, and I'm able great. to either apologize and have a redo, or I'm able to catch myself before I do it and change. Right. Then the final stage is unconscious competence. Another way of saying that is mastery. Another way of saying that is you have now learned a new habit. You are now competent in the new skill, the new way of, of reacting or performing by nature. And it is muscle memory. Now. Yeah, totally. It, yeah, I love you, that. Where you used to do the thing that we wanted to change habitually by, right. by nature. Now you do the thing that we wanted to change towards. Those are the four stages. So to me, it's been helpful to walk someone through there and say, what is, what happens at, at kind of the unconscious incompetence, that first stage, someone makes you aware. Yeah. That's my right. job as, as your leader. Yep. It's my job as a person who's charged with your growth in this organization to make you aware of something when you are unconsciously incompetent at it. Totally. Now we then partner on moving from unconsciously incompetent to unconsciously competent, right. but there's a couple of steps to get there. So you can yeah. show it as a ladder and, yeah. and look, Love it. what does this mean? Learning and change. Mm -hmm. It means learning new ways to, to react or respond. And it means a change in, it just takes reps. Totally. So 
Sometimes you're going to do it right. Sometimes you're going to fall back into old habits and do it wrong because you're still in that uh, incompetent stage. You are now just consciously incompetent. So I'm going to remind you when you do it well, and I'm going to remind you when you missed. Love it. Love it. I want to do something. Let's take it from theory to application. Some Mm. might be hearing this and going, okay, what does that mean? So here's an example. Like literally as you're sharing this, Richard, Okay. An exact case study came to my mind. I remember the, the, the conference room we were in when, when all this happened. We had a particular team. We had about eight people on the team. There was one individual on the team who was unconsciously incompetent around his ability to let other people on the team speak and finish a thought, in particular, if they were female. He would, oh. he would talk over females all the time, and it drove me crazy. And then I realized, am I a leader or am I not a leader? So I realized, how about I just give some feedback? So pulled him aside after having seen this behavior a couple times and said, do you realize that you have a tendency to cut people off and not let them speak? And even more so when they're women. And he had no idea. He was totally clueless. And so we, we you know, started from that stage, then went up the ladder of competency. And then the next time when it happened, he, he realized that he did it. We shared a glance. And I kind of smiled and he went, huh. Then the next time he caught himself about to do it and stopped and said, no, sorry, go ahead. And then we had another bigger smile. Mm. And then over time, he realized that's a new behavior that he can take on. How did that happen? He was humble. How did it happen? I had courage to actually bring it up. Guess who loved it more than anybody? The females in the room. (laughs) They didn't even know what was going on behind the scenes in the coaching. They didn't need to, but they sensed the difference. They definitely sensed the difference. And if you were to walk him through and say, hey, you were unconsciously incompetent, you didn't realize you were doing it. And and look, if this person in the story was just maliciously sexist, right? That's a different conversation. Very different. Very different. And I love this story because it's an example of something that was incredibly harmful to trust building, to team building, to collaboration, and to making the females in the room feel like that maybe this person was sexist. Right. And if they weren't, but they were just truly unconsciously incompetent of a habit and the way, here's the big one, the way that made others feel. Yeah, totally. So there's the way it made it feel and then the the cost organizationally. Mm-hmm. Well, any high performers in our company that are females that are, that are in a team that is, on this person's team or interacts with this person's team, will they leave? Hmm. Oh, that's not good for the company. Well, there's not a collaboration and we don't get the voice of the, of, of, of our female employees in meetings with this person because, well, he tends to speak over them. Right. There's a cost for the company. So if you hear it and you're like, ah, feelings, whatever, la la la. Yes. The feelings, like how does it make someone feel? But what do those feelings then cost? Totally. Eventually the people that are being cut off, stop speaking. Right. And if that is a specific demographic in your company, then you lose an entire viewpoint. Wow. How incredibly one dimensional we just became. Right. Super painful. So I'll give you a less, maybe even just a less, I don't know. I'll give you an example from mine, my, my past of something I did that I didn't know I was doing. And I definitely didn't know the effect it was having when I, when I'm processing in a meeting, I have a habit of crossing my arms in front of my body. 
Now, to me, that's just processing. I kind of shrug my shoulders, I cross my arms, maybe look up a little bit, or I'll, I'll, I'll kind of gaze off. It's, I don't know where that habit came from. I don't know why I do it. I just know that that's my, let me think about what you've, you're proposing or let me move into kind of like, yeah, let's dig into this. Usually it means I'm excited and I'm engaged and I'm ready to like, let's, let's create some cool stuff. My business partner at one point was like, man, can I, I'm going to give you some <laughs> feedback. And I was like, well, which one is never a, this is right. never oh, a trigger for this is going to be a fun conversation. He was like, I just felt incredibly shut down by you. And I don't believe that you meant to make me feel that way. Which one, to Jeff's point on humility and modeling leadership, um, that was an amazing moment for him to model leadership, um, for him to have the self-awareness of not only how he felt, but to also have the self or to, to give me the benefit of the doubt that he could separate how he felt or how I made him feel and my intention. So, wow, welcome. You're welcome. Free leadership training right there uh, that that I was, I was, I was blessed with. But he said, when you, when you cross your arms, it, it puts you in a position that makes other people feel shut down. And when you look off, it feels like you're no longer paying attention. And when you're shrugging your shoulders, it appears like you're posturing for a offensive response Hmm. so that when we are collaborating and you're putting a different spin or posing a different way to do it, it seems like conflict, not collaboration. And it is your default. So I was unconsciously incompetent, not only that I was doing that, but of how it was shutting others down. So we did the same thing. I was like, man, I don't, I didn't realize I was doing that. I got, I've got to figure out something else to do. And even after that conversation, and I had felt someone that I cared about, and, and obviously I have a great relationship with telling me how that made him feel, I would still catch myself doing it. And sometimes I'd look at him and he'd just give me a little nod or a, you know, kind of point to my hands. Other times I'd start to do it and remember. And now, what for me, the ownership that that I had to take was I have to replace that. There is a habit of going into this motion. I need to replace it with a new habit. So if I'm standing, I put my hands in my back pockets. Hmm. It's good. I had to take ownership of finding that replacement, but what that's helped me do as a leader, because I've had that experience is depending on what the action is, what, what corrective conversation or what feedback has been given. If there is a, a habit that needs to be broken, I partner on trying to identify what that new habit should be and how I should remind that person that they're doing it. So there's a couple of stories of of practical application and and real life examples of feedback that's been given and then how you follow through or or don't uh, on that. Right. Love it. I love the story. I also love, Richard, that it's like when we can share self-deprecating stories that that remind people we have so far to go as as leaders you and me specifically because one danger zone of of a podcast is oh now we have it all figured out we don't and that's okay i love to create that environment where people just show up and learn to be better from hosts Mm -hmm. that are sharing where we've done well where we haven't and just be grateful for both sides it's it's totally 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 fine totally normal so we invite you to 
inspect yourself. How are you giving feedback? And most importantly, how are people receiving and implementing? And to do not get seduced in category number two of the agreeable alleys. Make sure you set it up in such a way that you can follow up and, and praise them for when they implement that behavior or you can correct they've given that permission. So you, you, you know the follow through will happen and you can create much more action versus a false sense of, of security thinking everything's great and it's not. Otherwise, mm. we, we waste a lot of time, a lot of energy, and we have a lot of frustration. And it's all about creating awesome places to work and becoming the best versions of ourselves. As cliche as it is, it's true. So that we can become better leaders in the world, not just within our workplaces. That's our whole motive here. So thank you for listening today. Richard, any final thoughts you have? I'll, I'll leave you with this final thought. If you're going to deploy all of the relational equity required to give feedback, you might as well not stop there. Hmm. Because once the person has become unconsciously competent, so they're no longer doing things the old way and they're now doing it the, 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 the new way, they will experience a benefit from that. And when they experience the benefit, that relational equity that was tapped when you had an uncomfortable conversation will not only be redeposited, it will be deposited with interest. Totally. That's what growth looks like. That's what building a bond of trust as a leader looks like. So you have to make sure that when you're giving feedback, you're giving feedback that's actually good for the company, that's good for you know your, your team, that's good for the employee. And if you are, and you're going to give the feedback, you might as well walk them through all the way to change so that they can experience the benefit of that change. And that's when magic happens. So true. Well said. I love it. So thank you everybody for listening. I have a favor to ask. If you like this episode, if something has resonated with you, share it with people and leave a review. We, oh, the, these we'd like your actually, feedback. What do you know? Look at <laughs> thought, that. Of all the times, this is the time to ask for it. So we'd love for you to drop what you're doing right now. Just leave a quick review. Share it with someone. Share it with a friend. If you don't like it, don't do that. I mean, you don't have to. But, you know, if this has helped you in any way, we'd love, love to hear from you and love to see that reviewed so that other people can see that and go, I, I need to listen to that. So thank you for yeah. listening. Thank you for taking action. Let's go implement. Thank you, Richard. You're the best. Love thank you, you Jeff. See you next time. Thanks for listening to the Ready to Lead show. If you enjoyed the show, please leave a rating on your favorite podcast platform. And if you want to stay updated on the release of new episodes, be sure to hit that follow button. And Jeff and Richard, they want to hear from you. If there's an episode topic you'd like to hear them dive into, or something about today's episode that was a big breakthrough, or maybe even something you disagree with, they want to know. Send them an email at feedback at readytolead.com. Thanks again for tuning into this episode. We'll see you on the next one.